0: And welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Howdy ho, friendos. And John. Hello. (laughs) I have to start today's episode off with another quote. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Well, if you're like Anakin Skywalker and Mm. you don't like sand, but you also live in an area where you need to keep the floodwaters at bay, you'll find today's product particularly absorbing. But first, an outstanding ad. Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content. Marketing for a startup is hard work. But it doesn't have to be. HubSpot for startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. They're all in one platform, connects your sales, marketing, and support all together. So you can increase leads, fast track deals, smooth out support, and join a platform that more than 190,000 top brands trust. Plus, they have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. HubSpot also offers discounts for startups on their top rated customer platform and not the kinds of discounts that barely make a dent. I'm talking about meaningful savings up to 90%. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com startups. So today's product is StormBag, and StormBag is brought to us by founders Maurice and Miles, and this son and father duo is asking for $200,000 for 10% in their business, which is a $2 million valuation. Now, StormBag is trying to solve the problem that the last thing you want to do when there's a flood on the way is to be shoveling sand. So their solution is a sandbag that actually needs no sand. You just add water and it weighs up to 30 pounds. So it's a better way to keep the water away, and it's made of this absorbent polymer that absorbs up to 300 times its weight. It dehydrates, so it's reusable up to three times. Now, thinking about our pitch, our product, and our founders, what are our
1: initial thoughts? I love a good product that just needs water. Sea monkeys, chia <laughs> just pets. Just add water. Yeah, just add Storm water. Storm bag. <laughs> Storm bag. Why not? Look, what I love about it is the fact that, you know, for someone like me who's such a weakling and has no upper body strength, that it's only one pound. And the fact that you add water on it and you get up to 30 pounds, that accessibility right there I think is so key with this product. So I was really intrigued about it.
2: Yeah, It's a really cool product. Like it's a great and brilliant idea. How do we get more people access to sandbags that they can store in their home, deploy more quickly and more easily without having to rely on government distributing sandbags, military distributing sandbags, all those things, which is how it typically Mm -hmm. happens. The market for it, though, I am afraid, is not going to support it being a meaningful business. My take on it is that to be a meaningful, direct-to-consumer business basically relies on enough people actually preparing for a disaster Mm upfront, and then being willing to follow through on that plan and purchase things. Mm -hmm. And there's some data online from the government that basically says 50% of households in the U.S. have an emergency plan. So immediately, okay, the U.S. market's kind of cut in half. Yeah. And I got to imagine, actually, the percent of households that actively invest a lot of money in putting actual supplies as part of that emergency plan, it's probably even smaller. So I just don't think enough people are actually going to be like, you know what I need to do is go out and buy some of these storm bags and keep them in my basement in case I need them. Mm -hmm. I'm also a little worried about them as a team, although I love their personal story.
0: John, this is a father and son duo. (laughs) I
2: don't think I'd invest in a lot of father-son duos. I think the data on family (laughs) businesses is actually pretty stark in comparison to professional management. They seem like really nice people. I think their idea is really freaking brilliant. I think that they have a personal story that is like really moving. Their homes basically burned in the Paradise, California wildfires, mm-hmm. which is so like so awful. Mm-hmm.
1: Devastating. And so
2: there's a lot of reasons that you would cheer for them. I just think the data on family businesses <laughs> overall is not particularly strong. It'd be great if they brought in professional management maybe and said, hey, like one of the things we want to use this money for is to bring in someone to actually scale the business for us.
1: The family politics is- Side, we talk about products sometimes that need to have a little bit that education Mm -hmm. barrier, making sure that like your consumers like know the use case of the product, why they need it. Is this more of an instance where this product would better off be positioned selling more of being prepared, knowing that a lot of folks aren't really thinking that far ahead? Yeah, exactly.
2: Like Ariel, it's like an incredible insight. What if we just put all of our marketing dollars towards educating about preparedness? Mm -hmm. The government, though, according to all the studies I found, has actually spent a ton of money on this. Mm -hmm. They actually want people to be prepared and have invested in a ton of educational resources and it really hasn't changed much in terms of human nature and whether people actually follow through on preparedness or not.
0: They did mention though that they went viral on TikTok. So I wonder if there is the case for in the age of TikTok, maybe there is an option to like mass educate people about preparedness for natural disaster.
2: Do you think this product is a one-hit wonder from a virality perspective or has the chance to be multivirality.
0: Maybe this is just me being an optimist, but I want to say it's multiviral because... It has so many different use cases, and we start to see that in the way that the sharks react to the product. Glory's like, can't I just use a smaller version of this to water my plants? And I think that they're drilling too far into the flood preparedness, right? Mm. Even if you go to their website, all of these use cases, it's not just for floods, right? If a pipe bursts in your house, if there's just some water you're trying to clean up in your yard, right? So I think that while flooding clearly was the first use case, I actually think that they need to think about all the different ways that this product could be helpful in the home and start to market it that way.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's such a good point. When you're thinking about the really viral, sticky TikTok type of like videos, it is those fun use cases that are outside of the box that become challenges that create more awareness for your brand naturally.
2: I think running a multi-use case business for them is going to be very capital consuming. Mm -hmm. I think they need to find the best use case Mm -hmm. and go super hard at it. Talking about a lot of things that will require a whole bunch of capital constraints to actually go out and do this stuff. Mm -hmm. To me choose a use case and you have to get really good momentum on a single use case before you go multi use case, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. One of the things I thought was interesting and one of the big holdups for the sharks was that their biggest competitor is free. Yep. Anybody have thoughts on fighting free products and like how to think about that for a market?
1: Yeah. So I was trying to think through where has there been instances where this is the case where you're competing against free? And there's a few products that came to mind. Water, because we have so much water accessibility, like going up to a water fountain, being able to get that versus going in store and getting your $7 bottle of water. Exactly.
2: (laughs) So bottled water is a great example.
1: Yes. So really it kind of breaks down to two categories, right? Of why you would pay for something premium as opposed to getting it for free. So it comes down to the quality, water being the great example of this. If you're getting bottled water, it's coming fresh from a spring that's distilled in like the Swiss Alps. And then really when you think about convenience, Mm -hmm. you're getting some kind of convenience back from there. And I don't think this product really hits those two areas of quality and convenience as well as they need to in order to actually have a fighting chance compared to the free solution.
2: I think the convenience is probably a lot less important, Ariel, than your first point, Mm -hmm. which was the value-add part, just like just this uniquely Mm -hmm. add value. And I'm not sure it really does that as much as like bottled water does. Yeah.
0: So if you were hired on as the consultant or marketer, how would you start to position this as a
1: convenient alternative to the free government sandbags? So- I would lean away from the use case of flooding. Mm. So I would lean into a number of different micro-influencers in the audience that you kind of already have to like share their own unique use cases or maybe come up with a challenge of what you would utilize this for. Storm bag challenge. Come up with really fun ways (laughs) that are organic, don't cost a lot of money from like a production perspective that feel really authentic to an audience. And I think they could find traction that way. I would rather be more broad With the use case application and then find what are the top like one to two to like lean into.
2: Yeah. My overall take is like, if you were going to go after a different use case, like watering plants, you wouldn't call it a storm bag. You'd have to rebrand the whole company. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, okay, well, how are you going to actually approach creating the type of branding that would attract people for multiple use cases Honestly, if I was a consultant, I would probably see if they could actually just not even go direct-to-consumer and go B2B to the government and mm-hmm. try and get a government contract to actually supply the National Guard and a whole bunch of other organizations with that. Smart. That's probably what I would do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, just as we're ticking away at potentials for this company, we had some interesting shark duos. Wow. So we had two dream teams. And I actually was hoping that you could help me pro and con. If you were the founders of Stormbags, Bags, who you would have chosen. So on one end, we have Daniel and Damon. We have military contacts. We have distribution potential. And they're asking for $200,000 for 30%. And then in the other corner of the ring, we have Mark and Lori. We've got the marketing mavens, the branding, also distribution. And they are also offering $200,000 for 30%. So I have to ask, if you were the founders, who would
1: you have chosen as your Shark Tank duo? I feel like Lori and Mark could mm-hmm. really blow it out of the water for lack of a better nice. pun <laughs> across wholesale and like hardware stores, that direct to consumer kind of focus. But then Damon and Daniel, I think, could be a very interesting duo if they were to lean in more towards B2B or focusing within like the industry. Yeah. yeah.
2: I actually think they have fairly equal skill sets. Yeah. It's true. Damon has more experience selling through distributors because as a clothing brand, you have to create a brand for something, but then you sell it through other businesses. And Mm -hmm. so like through that dimension, Damon and Daniel probably have slightly better experience. I just think Mark and Lori are more famous and, you know, leaning into the fame might work a little bit more, especially as they try and go out and convince some people to carry this.
0: Well, ultimately, they were convinced to carry it because the deal was made with Mark and Lori. Yeah. So Stormbag walked away with a Shark Tank deal with Mark and Lori for $200,000 for 30%, which is really exciting. They stormed off with the deal.
2: Stormbag full of money. Wow. (laughs)
0: I have to ask, though, if you were a shark, would you invest in Stormbag, knowing what we know? My
1: gut says no. I would not. Yeah. (laughs) They're both out. (laughs) How do I nicely say no? (laughs) Why not?
2: This one is tough because if you watch the episode, you are going to feel for these guys a lot and you're cheering for them. I'm cheering for them, too. Mm -hmm. I just think as an investor of capital, if I was holding myself strictly to funding opportunities that have a clear path to ROI, I'm not sure I would do it.
0: That's fair. I feel like I would invest, but you know, it was the subtle banjo in the background that I think subliminally won me over at the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwood. If you're a fan of the show... Even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite.